Awesome. We're going to jump right in. Week four, I think, of our simple series. And this morning, I'm going to talk about a topic that I must admit has been a growing area in my own life, and it's the whole area of dealing with conflict. How do we deal with conflict? And some of you right now are sitting next to someone that you think, they need to hear this sermon. Right, because they are terrible at conflict. And I was thinking that there's a whole bunch of I'm thinking through my pastoral experience, a whole bunch of people that need to hear this sermon about conflict. And then God put something on my heart and I want to speak it over yours this morning. Stop thinking about everybody else that needs to hear this sermon and ask God what you've got to learn through this sermon. Okay, this isn't a sermon for someone else. This isn't someone that you're sitting here thinking, I'm going to send them the podcast. I want to encourage you that maybe right now God's got something to speak into your life. So actually look inward today, don't look outward as you hear the words. I have to be really honest, conflict's not my strong point. I would rather run away from it, I'd rather avoid it, because I like being friends with everybody and I really like being liked. And so I've not been somebody that I would look at and say, I'm really good at conflict. And as I've looked through this, today what I want to do is I want to give a very simple biblical outline and set of principles for dealing with conflict that are really important. But here's the thing, there's no promises that if you apply these to your life, that suddenly conflict's going to be easier. Because even though the principles are simple, it doesn't mean that they're easy. More than that, it doesn't mean that just because simply you grab some biblical principles and apply them to how you do conflict, that everybody else is going to receive that well, or it's going to change the outcome. Sometimes we enter conflict with people that just don't want to see resolution. And so it doesn't matter how we approach it, sometimes they don't approach it well. So I'm not going to give you a fail-safe method to walk successfully through every conflict that you'll ever face in your life. But I want to encourage us this morning that all we can do is own our own part and our own response in that. Let me give you some observations I've had around conflict. Number one, conflict is inevitable. Any of you here would think of a situation in your life If you're married, you can think of a situation in your marriage. If you're not married, you're in a relationship. You think of a situation in your relationship. Think of a situation in your workplace, in your family, with your kids, with a neighbor, with somebody that you crossed on the street where conflict has arisen. And all I want to say is conflict is inevitable in life. All of us will face it. All of us will be challenged by it. And so it's not whether it will come. It's when it will come. And because it will come, how then can we conflict well? What does Jesus have to say about how we conflict? You know why conflict's inevitable? Because sometimes people in your life and in your circle and in your sphere are going to get things wrong. And when that's the case, conflict is inevitable. More than that, there's because you're human, there's going to be times when you get things wrong. You're not always perfect and squeaky clean in this. Let me just say that right from the outset. And if you think about all the conflict in your life and always the answer is it's their problem, maybe the first place you need to start looking is inwardly because it's not always everybody else's fault. There's things going on inside of you that lead to conflict as well. Sometimes conflict happens and no one's got it wrong. It's not conflict because anybody's wrong or done anything wrong. It's just conflict because you see it differently. And because you see the world differently or see an issue differently, you conflict over it because no one's wrong. It's just different. And sometimes different isn't wrong. So observation one, conflict 
is inevitable. Observation number two, conflict doesn't always have to be viewed negatively. Always you you think of conflict and you think of the way conflict makes you feel and so often you think conflict is a negative thing. So avoiding, and that's where I've got stuck at times, avoiding conflict is the goal. Well, avoiding conflict isn't the goal because conflict isn't always bad. Let me give you a very practical tech response to this for all you tech heads out there. When I jump on my computer and I open my calendar, which I have electronically these days, and I put in an appointment and I hit save, often a box will pop up to say, this appointment is in conflict with something already in your calendar. Use that word, conflict. Now, in that moment, conflict creates an opportunity because conflict actually forces you to make a decision of what's the greater priority or the better option. And it's the same in life in many ways. Conflict doesn't always have to be negative. Conflict can be an opportunity for growth because it forces us to question our priorities and ask what is the better option. And if we enter conflict aware that it can be an opportunity for growth, sometimes God uses conflict to shape something in us or shape something in a circumstance which is a better outcome than we entered into in the first place. So conflict isn't always negative. Sometimes it is. Observation number three. Most of us are terrible at conflict. Now, I don't know all of you. I know myself. And I know a lot of people that I deal with in pastoral settings and my observation, and I'm sorry if uh, you would go, I'm really good at this. I'm not including you. There's a whole bunch of you that are sitting there going, yeah, he's talking to me. But most of us or many of us are terrible at conflict. I've seen it at work in my own life and I've seen it at work in the lives of many, many people that I've come into contact with over the years. So that's another observation. So three observations, conflict is inevitable, conflict doesn't have to be negative, and three, many of us are terrible at conflict. So why are we talking about it? Well, can we talk about it because Jesus talks about it, and the Bible talks about it, and he actually sets a goal for us, those people of us that are people of faith, about why we should care about conflict. And I reckon that the simplest summation of that is found in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 8, where it says this, if it is possible... Oh, verse 18, sorry. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, again, spotlight back on you. Stop worrying about everyone else. Stop worrying about the response of the other person. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we talk about conflict because conflict is inevitable. But as people of faith, the goal of conflict is always to live at peace with those that God has put us in community with. And so we... we, are called to seek resolution. We are called to seek outcome. As Romans says, as far as it depends on you, maybe there's going to be some conflicts in your life and there's some right now that there is no resolution to, but as far as it depends on you, you've done everything that you can do. So let's talk about the everything that you can do. And I've just got four really simple points or steps or things for you to consider this morning. And the first one I want to say is this. Number one, own your part. In any conflict, own your part. Or question, what is my part? James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? 
You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. As I've read that verse this week, all I can think of is that song. You don't always get what you want. Is that, is that a Rolling Stones song? Yeah? Steve, thanks. I knew I could depend on you. Some good music. You can't always get what you want. James says that. Where do you think all these... Oh, let me say how the message, the message paraphrase puts it. Where do all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourself. So where does conflict come from in your life? It comes from you not getting something that you want. I've tried to think through whether this is uh, like applicable in every situation and every scenario I've put to myself, at some point it comes back to someone is not getting what they want. So conflict comes from not getting what you want. Now, sometimes conflict arises because you're not getting what you want and what you want is absolutely reasonable and appropriate. And so the conflict has occurred because somebody is failing to respond or act or operate in a way that's completely reasonable, but still you're not getting what you want. So maybe the thing you're not getting is respect or attention or the thing that was promised or understanding, or maybe the thing that you're not getting is an expectation that you placed on a situation Situation. And so there's conflict because you've got expectations that aren't carried by the other party. So maybe you have an expectation around what romance looks like or what family time looks like or what generosity looks like or what holidays look like or what you know dinner times look like or family devotion time, or whatever it is, apply anything to that thing. But maybe you have an expectation that's not being met by somebody else and so you're not getting what you want, which leads to conflict. More than that, sometimes the thing that we're not getting is our own way. And so conflict arises because the thing we're not getting is our own way. And sometimes, like spoiled children, we stamp our feet and we cry a little bit and we put some adult filters over it so it looks like we're being highly appropriate. But really, the thing that you're conflicting about is the fact that you're not getting your own way and you like to get your own way. I hear stories of relationships and families and churches that break down over the most ridiculous things. Like what colour paint gets put on the walls? Now let me just tell you something about paint on, the, on a wall, on any wall. It's a colour and it's subjective. If all of us were asked to create the colour palette for this room, it would look different times 120. Some of us would just go paint it white. Some of you paint it black. Some people would go, put a mural on the wall. Oh, pastels are the new thing. Let's go pastel. We need some pinks in the water. Like, it's subjective. And at some point, a decision is going to get made. And there's going to be some people that go, I like that colour. And there's going to be others going, that is hideous. But it's paint. I'm just using this as an illustration. You can apply this to 15 other illustrations, right? But where does the conflict come from? You see, relationships have fallen apart over things as stupid as paint colours. Why? Because the conflict stopped being about the colour of the walls a long time ago 
And it soon became about you not getting what you wanted. And what you wanted is for everyone to agree with the thing that you wanted and the opinion that you had. Well, that's not always going to happen in life. So conflict, step one to conflicting well is recognizing where conflict comes from. And so often conflict comes from you not getting what you want. Number two, when it comes to conflict, the Bible would want to say this to us. Address it quickly. Address it quickly. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, if you're offering your gift at the altar, so he's speaking to a very specific context. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. There's something urgent about this, isn't it? Jesus doesn't say if you get to the altar and you remember that there's an issue with it, with, with a brother or sister, or there's a, an issue of conflict somewhere, well, I'll give you a gift, go home, stew about it, talk to a few people about it, read a few books on it, Google a few articles, build yourself up and address it somewhere within the next month. No, no, Jesus says, if you are offering in that moment and you remember that someone's got something against you, before you even make the gift, leave the gift, go deal with the conflict, come back and give you the gift. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesus, Ephesians 4.26, in your anger do not sin. And many of us have quoted this uh, in different ways and some of us that are married have used this in the context of our marriage. But he says this, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And in both these circumstances, there's something about timing. I want to ask you a question because I've had to ask this of myself. Am I a conflict avoider or more than that, a conflict staller? And if you're a conflict avoider or a conflict staller, ask yourself the question, why? Let me tell you how I answered that question when I asked it of myself. I'm a conflict avoider or a conflict staller because somewhere in my head, I think if I leave it long enough, it might just go away. More than that, it might resolve itself. Suddenly everyone might like my color palette. It might be forgotten about. And more than that, no one needs to get hurt and we can all just get on with being friends. And some of you have got this thing raging within you because you're always the one that gives in to conflict. And even though you give in for the sake of harmony, there's something just building inside of you. And you see it because occasionally every 6, 8, 12, 18 months in your life, in your friendships, in your marriage, it bursts like a volcano and something small happened, but then this incredible explosion came and everyone looks at you and goes, what on earth was that about? We were just deciding whether we had McDonald's or KFC for lunch and you didn't get what you wanted and suddenly the earth has caved in. And it's come because you spent your whole life avoiding it, stalling it, taking the hit, apologizing, never, you know, fighting for the thing that you feel so passionate about to the point that it just explodes. You see, I think Jesus would want to say to us, address it quickly for a couple of reasons. The longer we hold on to it, the bigger it becomes. More than that, the longer we hold on to it, the harder it becomes to address Man, there's an embarrassment that I feel at times and I have to go back and say to someone, can I just talk about that thing that happened four months ago? It really affected me. That person's like, four months ago? Man, that would explain why you've been cold to me or why you've been distant or why you haven't been returning my phone calls. That would explain a whole lot. But four months ago, I didn't even realize that thing I said affected you that way. 
You see, the longer we leave it, the bigger it becomes and the harder it gets to address. And some of us avoid conflict because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And when we started this church and we were asking people to kind of sign up for a whole bunch of different roles that they might want to take, you know, I hate letting people down. And a young guy by the name of Justin came up to me and said, man, I just really feel like the hand of God is on my life to lead worship in the church. I mean, that's fantastic, Just. You should... You should come and we obviously just don't let anyone stand on stage. We see the hand of God at work in your life. We see that you're following him. You know, there's no reason why you can't be on the trajectory to that. And so we held a little gathering of all our creative people and Justin turned up and, you know, someone started playing The Power of Your Love on the piano and Justin grabbed the microphone and started to sing. And man, it it sounded like a dog that lost its voice box. It was that terrible. And we're all like, man, there is no way on God's earth that he's going to lead worship in our church. But I don't want to hurt his feelings. And I don't really want to address the fact that he can't sing and maybe there's a self-awareness issue here. So I'll just encourage him to keep doing his thing. So I avoid the conflict because I don't want to hurt the guy's feelings but I'll wait six months until I give it enough time that I completely dash his dreams. I asked Justin for permission to use his name in vain in my sermon this morning. He gave me great permission. He's got a lovely, sweet voice, actually. He was a a child prodigy, actually, that used to sing in choirs and stuff in South Australia. Go ask him about it. That's not a true story, but I think you get my point. Sometimes there's just something that needs to be addressed, and there's something in us that goes, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But in our mind, we're like, it's not going to happen the way they want it to happen. But I don't want to tell them that in case I hurt them. And we just let it play out, play out, play out, play out. Till 12 months later, we completely dash their dreams and go, mate, you know, we did that audition 12 months ago. You could not sing and your voice hasn't got any better since then. I'm really sorry, but you're not going to lead worship in this church. And that's just a, a small example. But there's the point. Addressing stuff quickly really matters. Jesus in that passage where he says, if you're leaving a gift at the altar, he's actually in the middle of a great sermon that he's preaching and he starts talking about murder. He says, you've heard it said that you shall not murder. And everyone agrees, yeah, no, murder is a really bad thing, Jesus. He says, well, I want to take that a step further. And I want to say, if you harbor anger in your heart towards someone, it's almost as bad. It's just as bad. There's not the same physical consequences, but I just want to show you what it looks like to actually live up to the standards that I would suggest if you were going to make your way through your own righteousness. He says, don't just think that you can, because you don't act on that physically that you can harbor anger in your heart and it's okay. And so Jesus says, rather than holding on to it, in that moment when you realize that it's there, go and deal with it. There's something about the timing in this. So point one, principle one, own your part. Principle two, deal with conflict quickly. Principle three, address it in person. Now, in person means in person. Okay, I've had two situations a long, long time ago that I I can remember where conflict was addressed, not in person, but through electronic means. Now, I I want to be honest here, okay? I realize many of us are wired differently. And for some of us, we need to write our stuff down to actually articulate it. Can I just encourage you, if that's you, and you've got something you want to share with someone, and you need to say, I've got an issue, I'd like to share it with you. 
pick up the phone and say, hey, I just, I just need to talk to you. Is it okay if I send you an email because I think I've articulated my thoughts better? And when they say yes, say, and we will follow up. Something happens when we address something in person. I've seen two things happen. One, I remember years ago, I received an incredible blast from someone in our church at the time that was completely unhappy with the way things were being done. And they sent the email and then they refused to talk. That is a terrible way to conflict. Don't text someone or email someone or ring up and blast them and then refuse to dialogue. In that moment, you've got to own your stuff. Maybe everything you say is appropriate and right, but there's no resolution when it's a one-way conversation. The second thing I want to say is this. Sometimes when we write stuff and send it and you're staring at a computer screen, you can be a hero behind a computer screen. Something softens when you have to face the person. You know what it does? It gives you an accountability to your words. More than that, there's something that comes through your facial expression and the way you deliver the message. Again, I received many, many years ago now an email from somebody that tore apart one of my messages, just wanted to tell me how bad my theology and understanding of the Bible was, how terrible the illustrations I gave were, and the email went on and on and on and on. And so I did what I try to employ as my practice is I picked up the phone. I didn't want to, I didn't really want to talk to this person. I didn't even know them. And I'm like, well, just, I just wanted to shoot an email back and say something very inappropriate, but I didn't. I reminded myself that I'm a pastor and that would probably cost me my job. So I picked up the phone. <laughs> yes, we've all had those moments. I picked up the phone and I said, hey, thank, I received your email. Thanks for... Uh, thanks for at least being willing to talk, but can we catch up? So that person came into the office and we sat down and if I was reading the email and I was going to personify that person, they were like an angry bear. When they sat in my office and we got to dialogue it, they were like a meek sheep. Now, what's my point? The issue was that big. But in frustration or anger, the issue became that big. But when we got to talk about it, we were able to resolve it and move forward in relationship and deal with it. Because you know what happens sometimes when we don't address it? We start to build a dialogue in our head and we start to read into things that may not be even there. We may start to read into something that was said that was done off the cuff with no meaning intended and we make things bigger than they need to be. So in person means in person. As I said, I recognize for some of us, we need to write stuff down and that's appropriate. But if you're going to do that, always be willing to follow through with a conversation. Have the courage to pick up the phone or answer the phone call. I've seen email wars that have gone on for months because someone just needed to pick up the phone. But they just keep shooting barbs at each other through the interweb. So in-person means in-person, and in-person means with the person. So what Jesus says in Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Man, this is the greatest challenge for me in this message. Because one of the things I've observed in myself is that in my attempt to avoid conflict, 
I never really avoid conflict. I just build it and create it to be bigger than it needs to be. Let me give you a little illustration. Jake, come up here for a moment. Jake, I've got an issue with you, right? But I'm too scared to tell Jake what my issue is because I don't want to hurt Jake's feelings or I don't know what I'm going to say or maybe I don't actually know what my issue is. Jake, you love this, don't you? Just have a look out, all these people staring at you at the moment, bud. No, you can just look at me. So this is what many of us do. We say to ourselves in our head, we justify it like this. I'm a verbal processor. So I need to go and process my issue with Jake with some others. So I go to my friend Layla. Come here, Layla. Say, Layla, let me tell you what Jake said to me the other day. It was really affected me and it really offended me. And he is just, he's a terrible person. What do you think of that? Yeah, don't say anything. <laughs> Riley, come here. I need to process this further with you. Riley, Jake really upset me the other day. I don't know what to do about it, but Jake really got at me from some stuff that he did and some stuff that he said, and it's really hurt me and it's really affected me. And then I go to Bella and I go to Sam and I go to Kylie. And suddenly, I've built an army in my conflict with Jake. And suddenly, the issue is no longer between me and Jake, but I've done something even worse. I've actually taken a conflict situation and I've actually now dented his... I, I haven't hurt his feelings, I've just destroyed his reputation. Because now, next time Layla goes to hang out with Jake, which she does quite regularly as siblings at the table, she's got in the back of her mind, oh, Andrew said not to say anything, but I know what you're like. And then Riley comes in and Jake suddenly got all these people that know about Jake and the problem that I've got with Jake, but Jake doesn't even know that I've got a problem with Jake. Jake's just feeling a shift in the atmosphere because I've spent my whole life verbally processing my issue with Jake, not with Jake, but with everybody else. And you smile, but so many of us do this. Some of you have got issues with someone here and everybody else knows about it except for the person you've got the issue with because you don't have the courage to go and address it. Or more than that, if you're really honest, the issue isn't big enough that you should address it because you're going to look like a goose, but you still want to do something about it because you're not feeling right. And so you go and tell all those people and you create an army that doesn't hurt his feelings but destroys his reputation. And now the one that's carrying the sin is you. It's one of the acceptable sins, gossip or slander. Jesus speaks about them an awful lot. Why? Because if the goal of the scriptures is to live at peace with one another, we're not living at peace with one another when we build a case against a brother or a sister by creating an army before we've even scoped out the battle. So in person means with the person. And as I said, I own this in my own life. There's been times that I've lacked the courage and I've lacked the integrity to speak with the person I have issue with about the issue. And I've dinted their reputation by talking to everybody else about the issue and not having the guts to talk to them. Jesus would want to say, that's not good enough. He wants to say, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And can I say, be careful about how you point out their fault. Before you do that, refer to point one of my sermon. Ask yourself what point you might play in this drama. 
You know, often when I've addressed conflict issues that I've created huge in my head and I've verbally processed with 14 other people, and then I've had the courage to go and address it with a person, I learn something. And it's something really important to understand about conflict. Often there's a conflict and the person you're in conflict with doesn't even know there's a conflict. Because they've done something or said something or acted in a way that they don't even realise what they did was observed by you or filtered by you through a certain set of things. They didn't even realise that their words hurt you in a particular way. And so while you're building the army, they don't even realise there's an issue. And sometimes when I've had the courage to address conflict, it's given that person the opportunity just to say, hey, I'm really sorry that you heard it like that. That was not my intention. And so often the conflict that's been directed at me or the angst that's been directed at me has come through misunderstanding when someone's had the courage to come and say, you know when you said that, were you talking about me or were you thinking about me or were you... I just, can I just say now, I never, I, none of my sermon illustrations are ever pointed at anyone here. That's why I pick on people that can sing, like Justin, when I talk about issues that can't. I, I'm not thinking of situations here, but if you ever th- think that, come talk to me. Because I'll say to you, I'm really sorry that you heard it that way. That was not my intention. But rather than you building it, have the courage to address it. Because so often when we address conflict, we realise that the person that we're in conflict with hasn't even realised. More than that, sometimes we realise that there's something going on for that person that we had no idea about. So we get really upset about the way they talked to us or the way they acted or the way they were in that meeting or the fact that they ignored us in a social setting or whatever it was or the thing that they posted on Facebook or the party that we weren't invited to, whatever it is that we're upset at. And we don't realise that in the midst of what they're going with now, there's so much happening in their life and there's so much turmoil and there's things that we don't even know about that are so distracting and devastating to them. But we just read the action and we don't give them the chance to actually see it as a moment to bring Jesus to the situation and minister to one another. Because sometimes conflict doesn't come because there's an issue with you. It comes because there's an issue for that person that's bigger than you and you just happen to be the point where it touched down and it got messy. But if we address it with the person, sometimes we actually hear about what's going on for them and we can deal and pastor and minister to people when we hear their stories. You know, sometimes conflict is triggered or triggers a reaction that's not about you, but is linked to a big issue. As I said, don't build an army before you've even scoped out the battle. Occasionally, I've had to confront someone who's come to me with an issue and they've started like this. Do you know everybody in the church thinks that your preaching stinks? Okay, who's everybody? Well, my wife and my kid and my neighbour that I bought three weeks. Well, that's not everybody, that's just your family. Can we just talk about who everybody is? But sometimes we do that. We kind of feel like our conflict takes greater precedence if we come with the backing of the army. Do you know everybody thinks that you're not leading that well? You know everybody thinks that you're like that? Everybody thinks? Man, if you're leading with the everybody thinks, go and stare in the mirror for a while. It's not a good way to do conflict. You know, some of us really need to own this one. I've had to come face to face with this one myself because we've spoken so much about others, but we've never spoken to the person. Can I just say something? There's a role for the rest of us to play in here. One of the best people I know in my world in this space is uh, Jason Ellsmore, our senior pastor, my, my direct boss. Yeah, he's away at the moment on sabbatical. A couple of weeks' time, he'll be back. But you know what Jason's incredibly good at doing? If I sit in his office and I go, 
this person is really, he'll say, have you spoken to that person? It's really embarrassing. It's like you just want to go, oh, of course, good Christian, just quoting scripture at me, telling me I should go address the person. Just let me vent. But he's actually doing the thing that we should do for one another. He's saying, no, no, I just want to stop you. Don't talk to me about it if you haven't talked, spoken to them about it. And sometimes we don't help because we listen to stuff and we like to listen to stuff because we like to gain information on others. But sometimes the thing we can do to help our friends is say, have you spoken to the person about it? Well, until you do, let's not talk. We've got to protect each other's reputations. Point four, if you speak to someone one-on-one and you get no resolution, get help if required. Jesus goes on in that same passage where he says, go and speak. Uh, verse 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Next verse. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You know, sometimes conflict for us is such that we just don't have the relationship is so damaged or the issue is so deep. And there are some situations, can I just say, where it's not wise for you to step in by yourself because it's a dangerous situation or it's a, an inappropriate situation. And, you know, it's like for us as a church, we have an expectation on leaders. We don't do any kind of pastoral ministry or counseling one-on-one, different genders. You always bring someone else. So there's, there's wisdom in that. But Jesus says, if that person won't listen, if that person won't respond, sometimes you need to bring someone else into that situation. Sometimes we need a mediator to help protect ourselves. Sometimes we need a mediator to see help, uh, help see our own blind spots. Sometimes there needs to be a mediator to help bring resolution and to help us conflict well. That's why we encourage couples if they're struggling in their marriage, if there's conflict that they can't find an end point to, to go and talk to someone about it. Go and get a counsellor because maybe you need somebody to help you. So get help if required. Four really simple principles from the scripture. Own your part. Where does conflict come from? From the desires and battles that wage within you, from the things that you want that you do not get. Number two, address it quickly. Don't let it fester. In that moment, go and deal with it before it becomes bigger and harder than it needs to be. Number three, address it in person. In person and with the person. Number four, get help if required. I get the band to come up and join me. It's a really practical sermon. And, and, you know, you think about how do we land this? How do we respond? The thing I don't want to do is say, hey, if you've got a problem with someone here, why don't you just get up and move across the church now while the rest of us observe that awkwardness. So why don't we do that? If uh, I'm going to give you a chance one at a time just to stand up, walk across the church and uh, no, we're not going to do that. Here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you as people of faith that doing this well really matters because the goal is that we, as far as it is possible and as far as it depends on us, that we live at peace with all people. You know, the strength of our community here isn't just so we enjoy being together. That's important. It's nice to enjoy the people that God has put you in community with. But it's not just for the purpose of enjoying being together. It's that God's brought us together for a bigger purpose than just ourselves. 
And some of us are stalled in our ministry and we're stalled in our mission because we're hanging on to something that we haven't been able to get past. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, God's got something bigger for you than that. And I'm not saying that this is easy. The principles are simple, but it's not easy. It's simple to say, go and address it quickly. Man, that is a hard thing to do. I'm not going to suggest just because I've had a God moment in the context of preparing this for myself that suddenly you're all going to start getting phone calls going, can we just talk this week? Actually, no, please answer my calls this week. I've got no one on the list that I need to follow up. It's all right if I ring you, it's for another purpose, okay? I promise. Apart from, no, <laughs> joking. But you know, some of it's a stall because something's happened. And probably it's happened back there. And we keep thinking about that, the way that person's wronged us, the thing that that person said, the way they acted that's really affected us. Some of us are stalled in our marriages right now because of something that we haven't been able to let go. And, and we don't want to talk about it. We don't address it well, or we wait till the volcano goes off. Maybe this week, the thing that you need to do is have the courage and the integrity to deal with it in person with the person. And that will never be easy. And any time you do that, do it with humility, do it with grace, do it with integrity, and do it willing to own your thing and to hear that maybe there's something that you've got to own in that. But maybe you need to find time or make a phone call or have a coffee or approach someone and just say, you know what? Let's sort this out so that we can get on doing what God's called us to do together. Because we're strong together when we're at peace with one another. I'm going to leave it there for us this morning. Feel free to share some stories of great joy and success as they come. But find freedom as you seek to do life and relationship with one another well. Why don't we pray together? Let's just jump on